The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 259. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, where we talk about applying high leverage psychology in your business and life. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, licensed psychologist, private practice owner, speaker, executive coach, and consultant. I became a psychologist to learn how to leverage psychology and help others do the same. For over a decade, I've been tracking how psychology gets in the way of smart and results-driven people. For years, I've developed frameworks and tools to help them leverage psychology instead to launch themselves forward. It's my mission to share my hard-earned lessons with you so you can launch yourself forward too. I can't wait to talk high leverage psychology with you so you can learn to take higher leverage action today. Hey there. This week, we're changing up our format from the usual. Back in April, I was on a burnout panel, and it was such a great experience and so meaty in terms of what we talked about that I really wanted to share it with you. I'm chunking it down to more bite-sized episodes, so today, you're going to hear part one. FYI, you'll hear Tracy Cherpesky and Justin Maxwell join me in the conversation. Tracy organized, hosted, and moderated the panel. She's a business coach for established healthcare practice owners who helps them go from success with overwhelm to success with freedom without sacrificing personal, professional, and financial growth and joy. Justin, my co-panelist, is a tax and wealth strategist who helps medical professional business owners plug money leaks, become more efficient with their earned money, and create the certainty needed to live a big life. Part one focuses on the stages of burnout and its costs, both personal and professional. Ready? All set. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening for those of you who are across the globe. Thank you so much for being here today, for joining us at this roundtable to discuss the very important topic of burnout. My name is Tracy Cherpesky. I'm your host today, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to our first community of practice gathering. We are alternating between masterclass and roundtable formats, kicking off today with a roundtable called Conquering Burnout. So before we get to our guest experts, I would like to introduce you to Miranda Dorta. She is our manager of PR and operations here at Tracy Trubesky International. I consider her to be my right arm. If it weren't for her, we wouldn't be here right now, I'm sure. And not much else would get done around here. So thank you, Miranda, for your gifts, for your talents, for keeping especially me on track, all of us on track, informed and organized. (laughs) Thank you for everything you do and especially for getting up early today to make this happen. Appreciate you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Our first guest that we have on deck today is Justin Maxwell. Justin, give us a wave. Justin is a tax and wealth strategist. He helps medical professional business owners plug money leaks, become more efficient with the money earned, and create the certainty needed to live a big 
life. He has helped hundreds of business owners around the U.S. save tens of millions of dollars in taxes and student loan interest. He is married to the love of his life and the father of three rambunctious boys. Most people will coach you on how to make more money or how to grow your money, but Justin focuses on helping you keep more of the money that you've already earned. He joins us today from West Jordan, Utah, and he serves clients all over the U.S. Welcome, Justin. Thank you for being here. Thank you for getting up super early. Yeah, thank you for allowing me to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Excited to learn together. Thanks again. And finally, we have Dr. Yishai Barkadari. Yishai, give us a wave. Hello. Dr. Yishai's experience, expertise, and training as a psychologist give him singular insight as to the adaptability of the human elements of business and leadership. Leveraging his deep psychological training and experience, Dr. Yishai helps entrepreneurs and business leaders learn to make adaptability their superpower to transform challenges and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for themselves and their businesses. He asks us, what if you could learn to effortlessly sense what's incoming and adapt rapidly? Dr. Yishai joins us from the greater New York area, serves clients in 34 states, primarily focused on the New York City region. Welcome, Dr. Yishai. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Likewise, it's an honor to be here. Super excited to learn from your insights and your expertise. So I'm thrilled to have you all here. Thank you for joining us. And before we dive in to the roundtable discussion, I just want to take a little bit of time to review the clinical definition of burnout and the 12 stages of the progression of burnout. Then the purpose of this is really to familiarize you with the clinical definition and to help you identify where you might land in the progression. From there, we'll pose some questions to our expert guests specific to identifying, avoiding, and recovering from burnout. So feel free to use the chat to share any questions that come up in the moment. Randa and I will keep track of your questions and we'll do our best to address them. So let's dive in. I'm just, I have a little... PowerPoint here for you, just for you to see. Some people like to have visuals. I'm not giving a big presentation. I'm really just running over them. So we're going to talk about, first of all, what burnout syndrome is. And the World Health Organization defines it as something that is very connected to our work. And we start to get to a place where we might have feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativity, cynicism, and reduced professional efficacy. One thing I think is really important, we hear this word burnout being tossed around all the time. And I often hear it from people who are just like really tired and there's not discounting that they feel tired, but burnout as a clinical definition is connected to work. And this is why it's so important for us to talk about it, especially in this capacity. So very briefly, just running through the 12 stages of the progression of burnout. So the first stage, which I think is very interesting, is the compulsion to prove oneself, demonstrating our worth obsessively. Now, obsessively seems strong, but for those of us who are driven to excellence, this might be something to take note of. Is it starting to take over? Stage two, working hard with an inability to switch off. I think that's the real key there. Stage three, neglecting our basic needs. I I hear a lot of people in the medical and dental field say things sort of jokingly, I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's no big deal. I'm always tired. Of course, I'm always tired. That's just the way it is. Hustle culture has us normalizing fatigue and exhaustion and lacking our basic needs. But we also need to pay attention, of course, to our nutrition and making sure that we stay close to our community. Stage four, displacement of conflicts. 
starting to look past things that could be glaring and problematic. Stage five, a revision of values. This is when people start making excuses, maybe, you know, overlooking things, starting to maybe even say that, you know, they maybe a while back said family was everything. And now they're a little bit more focused on their career. And they use that as an excuse as they're entering through burnout. Stage six, a denial of emerging problems, you know, could be met with like a lot of cynicism, even saying things like, oh, you know, I think people are pretty stupid. I'm the only one who can get things done right. A real sense of negativity if this is not their norm. Stage seven, and this is where we start to become very concerned, right? I think the stages one through maybe four or five are a little bit more on the, okay, let's raise our awareness. There are some things we can do. I think when we start reaching stages seven and beyond, it's time to start seeking professional help. So withdrawing from social life, maybe you know, having a difficult time with their social interactions, stage eight, odd behavioral changes. This is where family and friends and maybe colleagues start taking note. Stage nine, depersonalization, neither seeing oneself or others as valuable, kind of looking at the world through a very, very cynical eye and D, like releasing from it. Stage 10, inner emptiness. This is really getting to a place of feeling empty and not being able to see what might be possible. Stage 11 could be depression, a feeling of being lost, exhausted. Things look bleak, things look dark, everything feels heavy. And finally, stage 12, this is where it becomes labeled as burnout syndrome. This could be mental and physical collapse. Definitely medical attention is required. This was really quick for those of you who are maybe listening to the replay. Don't worry if you want, we've got a nice visual for you. Just send us an email at support at tracycherpesky.com and we'll send that out to you. But this is just to familiarize you with what burnout really is on a clinical level before we dive in to talking about how to spot it, how to avoid it and how to recover from it. So with that, understanding those 12 stages of burnout, I would love to start having our conversation in the roundtable and ask our experts to chime in. So before I dive into the questions, I'd love to hear anything that maybe came up for you while I was going over the 12 stages. Were you familiar with this? I didn't know until I started researching burnout that it was actually a medical term. So I would love to hear anything from you before we really go into avoiding or recovering. I've certainly seen it. Uh, There's been increasing amounts of research and it's been more and more acknowledged by uh, larger kind of world institutions and health institutions like the World Health Organization. Also, if you want like a TLDR short version of this, the way I think about it is there are three phases when it comes to burnout. The first one is fixation, fixation on work, work identity, accomplishment. There's this kind of single-mindedness. And with that comes this kind of hunger and need to prove oneself, relentless working, not kind of allowing ourselves to do much else or focus on much else. That's really phase one is this fixation. Phase two is avoidance of non-work life. And that's where all the other pieces, neglecting needs, displacing conflicts, changing our values or talking about our values differently, denying problems, all of that stuff really is about avoidance of non-work or success issues, even inside the workplace, just pushing away anything that that's like getting in the way of that success or that accomplishment or proving oneself, that fixation as it were. And then the third phase is this breakdown, which along with that, and the way I think about it is it does kind of happen in stages, 
And it progressively gets worse and worse and worse along the way. And that breakdown is inner emptiness, then depression, then kind of physical mental collapse. And I frequently work with clients in my psychology practice where they're in a varying area or stage. And I've seen almost every kind of avoidance that's listed here, actually a bunch more in addition to that. And I've also seen people at various stages of this kind of breakdown process. And I think it's helpful to just step back and take a kind of bird's eye view. There's one, this fixation and this tying of work and identity and being really stuck on that. Two comes the avoidance of non-work life things or non-success thoughts or activities. And then that really lends itself to this breakdown phase. Thank you, Yishai. My perspective is not from the professional perspective that Dr. Yishai is coming from. Mine is working with business owners and sensing and seeing this as we're having discussions around wealth and around what they're doing with their money, because you could see these things happening. And for me to, to see this in a clinical definition and what Dr. Yishai just said, it really is clear that this is more than just something that's happening that doesn't have a name or an identity to it, but it's a reality of what's occurring. So for me, that was a benefit to see as being laid out so succinctly. Mm, yeah, thank you, Justin. Well, one of the things that really sparked our thinking about holding this roundtable is just the freakishly high burnout rates in the medical and dental field. And, you know, of course we've had the pandemic and we're really not on the other side of it, but at the height of the pandemic, I have some stats here that I just like blew my mind that burnout rates for physicians reached about 63% and almost 50% for dentists in the U S to me, these are staggering numbers. It's not just the pandemic. I think what happened in the pandemic is that that just started to shine a spotlight on how our system is not supportive of the well-being of our providers. So I would love to hear from you all what you see might be some of the common causes of burnout for really for any professionals. But you know, because we're speaking in the context of medical dental providers, I'd love to hear if you know specific to that. Yeah. So one thing that immediately comes to mind for me is that my brain kind of separates it into two kind of general global sources. One is external. So it might be the business model, client acquisition, billing or legal issues, all this kind of like life circumstances. There's stuff that's external to, we'll say our brain, our own body. So there's stuff that on that end that can put a great deal of pressure that can then lead to this Again, those kind of three phases, the fixation and then the avoidance of other stuff, and then eventually this kind of breakdown. And then I think there's internal elements or pieces. And maybe, Justin, you can speak a little bit more to some of the external parts than I could, given the work that I do. The internal stuff that I often see are sometimes there's anxiety or stress that can be more internalized or trait-driven. Sometimes it also has to do with past experiences. Like if someone's had, there's a term called financial trauma. If they grew up with or at some point lost a substantial amount of money or had insecurity, financially speaking, that can really create this internal drive of, I must develop, build, create a level of security. And that really kind of pushes themselves forward. It can come from other places also, such as ambition, this drive to build something bigger or more. And the need to prove can come from that insecurity. It could be about the self. It could be because of past experiences that were more circumstantial. And it might also be about beliefs or assumptions about ourselves, about business, about the world that kind of lead us to see 
or to think that we have to, that there are these massive consequences if we don't, or to imagine them and get really caught up in this kind of catastrophizing, the catastrophic thinking. And then a last piece that I see, at least internally, is an over-identification with work. So when someone's identity is really tied to their success at work, and so it's like every time things are going well, they feel better about themselves. And the moment anything at work starts to drop, it's like their ego or their sense of self is really tied in, in a way that they take every mistake, every failure, every setback, every challenge as a punch to the gut. And then that just it ties them so deeply into work must go well that it kind of feeds the fixation process. So those are some of the things I see, at least on the internal side. And I would love to hear, Justin, your thoughts on perhaps some of the external pieces or other thoughts you have. Well, those are I really like the way you phrased that because I do see there's a few things that I've seen. So number one is oftentimes in the medical profession, from the world perspective, society's perspective is you have reached the apex of success. And so you're making a lot of money. Society is viewing you as like the professional and the person. And then oftentimes you have a beautiful wife, you have children, but like you're not feeling anything different. Like nothing changed. Like you've reached this apex, but nothing is different because some of what you've been talking about, you've driven everything into this, but then you're not feeling any different. You're not feeling the reward of reaching the apex societally. And then when you feel this way and people are expecting, or like you have these sub comments from people saying, oh, you, you have a ton of money, you should be happy. Everything should be good for you. You have a good house, you have a family. You don't have the same problems that we have not making very much money. But it's like those issues are still internally there for you. But it's this expectation of society that you've already reached. You've reached the top. You've reached the mountaintop and you should feel differently than we do. And we don't have those experiences anymore. So for me, that's one of the biggest issues that I see. The other is sometimes we get this idea of that I see that people see in the medical industry is, okay, I got the spot. Well, maybe if I made more money. So if I work harder, if I make more money, then I'll start feeling better. So they even work harder to get more money. But that doesn't, that's not the solution. The solution is a well-rounded identity of who you are. And it's not just your work. Like you have to have other projects. You have to identify with your family. You have to identify with charitable work or other ideas or hobbies that are outside of yourself. But making more money doesn't drive you to getting a well-rounded life because more money usually means you're spending more time at the office and more time in the business, which isn't the solution. And so those are the two main areas that I typically see is the societal influence and then this drive that, well, maybe money will solve the problem and make me feel better, but it doesn't. But they just keep going for more and more money. Either that's either through investing or just spending way more time at work. Mm -hmm. I love the point you're making, Justin. And one thing that I do see in my practice a lot, because I work with driven professionals, entrepreneurs, business owners, is that they get caught up in this idea that we have in our society, that we get these messages all the time, that when you have more money, it solves a lot of problems. And to be fair, there are many challenges or issues that having more money can help or address or solve. However, quality relationships, meeting all of our needs, it's not one of them. These are things that, and as you're saying, I see this all the time, people who are making or own, you know, eight, nine plus 10 plus figure businesses. And they really still struggle in a profound and fundamental way 
with their own emotions, with feeling happy. They keep getting messages, I'm supposed to feel happy without understanding what that means, which is one of the things that when I work with clients, I actually really help them break down and understand logically and then work their way into. And it's interesting the way that you highlighted, Justin, is that it comes from two angles. One is externally, and not just the messages that we hear, but then when someone who's making it has made a great deal of success, has made a lot of money, has accumulated a lot of wealth, when they're sharing or talking about their challenges emotionally in their relationships, what they experience very often from the people around them is those things get dismissed as if money's supposed to make it all better or erase it, or as if they can't or shouldn't have those problems because of the money that they have. And then, of course, you know, they're sitting in my office and really struggling with that and like struggling with how can I be friends with these people or I don't really feel like anybody gets me. And then really struggling with what is this all supposed to be? How do I, like, how am I supposed to understand life? You know, what am I supposed to be doing here? And sometimes before they come into my office, they're in that cycle, Justin, just as you were saying, where they double down on work. They double down on their work identity. They double down on making more money or wealth as if what other people are telling them and what they have seen and heard throughout so much of their life is true that if you just make more money, it's going to solve your problems. If you just focus on this one thing, and this is where the fixation really gets in the way of being able to see, and people talk about like a well-rounded or balanced life. I actually don't think that it needs to look that way. It's really about understanding your own needs and being attuned to what that is and creating your personal mix. It's like a recipe. It's got to be a personal recipe. You got to taste it as delicious. It doesn't matter if someone else really likes something. You got to really like the recipe that makes up your life. Thanks for listening. If you learned something valuable today, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more smart, high-performing, results-driven people like you the ability to learn and apply high-leverage psychology to your business and life. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast is produced by Dr. Yishai and PodTech. Music by www.purple-planet.com. Dr. Yishai is a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with the guest or listener. The information contained in this publication is for general informational purposes only and shall not be relied on or construed as coaching advice or therapy. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thanks again for listening. I hope today's episode fulfilled my mission to help you leverage psychology better in your business and life.